Welcome to Downtown Harbor Church, everyone. I'm super excited you're here. If you haven't been here in a while, you know that my role changed here at Downtown Harbor Church last year. I transitioned from the lead communicator to the volunteer coordinator, so I took a couple of months off this stage, but I'm happy to be back. Some have said finally some talent has returned to the stage here at the Downtown Harbor Church. That's a joke and I'm sure the lead, lead pastor's watching online. I'm sure he'll be thrilled about that. Welcome, everyone. I'm super excited that you're here. If you are joining us online, thanks for being here as well. I am so excited to be here kicking off this new three-week talk conversation series initiative, whatever you want to call it, called What Seems Impossible. We're going to actually spend the next couple of weeks taking a look at some very serious issues that might plague our community, that might plague our own lives, our own hearts. And at the end of the day, we kind of look at those issues and we go, that seems impossible to fix. I don't know if it's something you deal with as an individual or something we deal with collectively as a community, but we kind of go, I can't get involved in anything like that because fixing that, there's too much on the line, that seems impossible. So let me just talk for a second about this series and what this means. So for the next couple of weeks, starting with today, we're going to talk about a couple of these things where the impossible can actually become possible. And so today we're actually going to start and we're going to talk about our community, right? We're going to talk about the area where we live right here collectively together. I don't know what that looks like for you, your community. Maybe you would use the word community to describe your, you know, your workplace, or maybe it's your neighborhood, or maybe it's your city, or maybe it's South Florida for you. We're going to talk about what that looks like right here today. And then next week might be my favorite message we've ever done here at Downtown Harbor Church because we're going to shift gears and we're going to talk about something else. We're not just going to talk about our community. We're going to talk about something even more personal, something even more passionate, right? We're going to talk about you and what God might be doing through your life as you seek after him and how you might actually use the kind of uh, convictions that he's put in your life to change things around you that seem impossible. So for the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about a guy. Now, for the last eight weeks before this, John, our lead guy, was up here, and he was talking about some things that were kind of controversial. We landed on some very deep topics. The series was The More You Know. These weeks, we're going to land on a guy in the Old Testament, right? This guy lived before the life of Jesus. We talk about Jesus a lot around here, but this guy was so passionate about what he was doing that we just couldn't help but stop and give him a couple of weeks of our time, and that guy's name was Nehemiah. And I'm going to talk to you a lot about Nehemiah today and in the next couple of weeks, but just put his name in your mind because Nehemiah lived in the Old Testament in which the ancient scripture was written, right? That's before the New Testament, before the life of Jesus. We'll talk about when in a second. But Nehemiah lived in a time where his people, he was a Jewish man, Nehemiah lived in a very vulnerable time. He lived in a time where his people were actually kind of under oppression and under attack. And if you know anything about the ancient Israelite people, you know that they went through a lot of highs and lows, right? They conquered a lot of land and then they were conquered. Had a lot of tragedy and a lot of triumph in their journey. At this point in time in the ancient scripture, they were vulnerable. And we land today around the 5th century B.C., so around 500 years before the birth and the life of Jesus is where these events today kind of take place. And the ancient Israelites settled in a city called Jerusalem. I'm sure you've probably heard of it even in modern times. And in this time where Nehemiah, a Jewish man, lived, his people, the ancient Israelites in Jerusalem, were in crisis, right? They were in crisis. And let me tell you why they were in crisis. They were in crisis, right, because they were vulnerable, 
women and children, men even of the time, were vulnerable. And Nehemiah was one of these people. Let's pick it up in the scripture. If you have a scripture, you can open it to the book of Nehemiah chapter 1. Uh, if you don't, you can look on any mobile device or as always at DHC, it will be up here on our screens, right? So the book of Nehemiah in the Old Testament, right? Chapter 1, we start in verse 3 and here's what it says. Those, right, the ancient Israelites, okay, Nehemiah's people, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in what? Don't miss this, so key, zone in with me are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. Now, these ancient times, countries and states and cities were not like they were today, right? They were different. So they didn't get along with each other, right? There were barriers between them because they couldn't coexist. And if they did coexist, it was almost like cultures invading each other. So countries and this stage in history actually built massive walls, right, for protection for their people. So this is kind of a picture of modern day Jerusalem. So a wall about this size was actually broken down, meaning the women, the children, the people of Jerusalem, the ancient Israelites were very vulnerable to attackers. They, could, they had the possibility to be oppressed. This was a big deal that this wall was broken down. Nehemiah, a Jewish man, right, reflects on this and he thinks about this. And this is what the scripture said, don't miss this, it's so key, about his heart. When I heard these things... I sat down and what? Wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Nehemiah, because this wall was broken down and his people were suffering, they, were, could, they could have been attacked, they could have been taken out of the game, right? Nehemiah was emotional and wept over this. He was broken over this. The scripture says that he mourned for days over this. Think of how this must have, don't miss this, how this must have broken this man's heart. Those are my people. This is my community. Those are the people I love and the people I care about and they're suffering. They're struggling. His community is struggling. And you know what? That wall looked pretty darn big. That wall that was right before him looked massive to reconstruct and to build, especially as it has been torn down and broken down. In fact, one might say that if you were Nehemiah, you might look at a situation like that and you might go, this problem, the problem that he's address addressing seems impossible to solve. And nobody's fixing it. There's this massive mess, and maybe you've seen this in your own city, or maybe it's in your own life, and you're going, this is a mess, and this thing is impossible to solve. And maybe you've thrown your hands up, or maybe people around you have thrown their hands up, and they've gone, uh-uh, right? People have thrown their hands up, and they've gone, I can't fix this problem. This is impossible. This is not fixable. This thing is a massive undertaking. It can't be fixed. Let's let it be whatever it is. I'm out. Count me out, right? I'm done. It's too much work. It's too much effort. It's too much enthusiasm. And I don't have as much energy as that random dude with the pink shirt on the stage at the museum. So I am out. Okay. Someone told me after first service that like, you know, I really like the message. You could use though, one critique, you could use a little more energy. And I said, all right, I'll address that before a second. So people, you could easily look at that and go, I'm out. I can't do this. I can't be involved in this. And it's easy to do. Furthermore, some of us, it's even worse, right? Some of us recognize a problem in our community, in our own lives, whatever it is. And you know what we're doing? We're looking for somebody else to fix it. 
We're going somebody else's problem. Not my problem. I got too much to do. I'm busy. I got my own set of circumstances. I can't worry about that. We're looking for someone else to fix it. Not Nehemiah. Let me tell you a little bit more about this man now that I've set the stage for the time and what is going on. Nehemiah was a Jewish man who actually worked in the king's castle, okay? Nehemiah was a Jewish man who worked in a king's castle. The king's name was King Artaxerxes. Lots of king's names in the Bible. You probably never keep them all straight, right? I worked with kids for a long time as I spent my career in ministry. And one of the things that we said to kids was, you probably never get this right, so let's just call him King Xerxes, right? That's what I'm going to do with you today, King Xerxes. This is where Nehemiah worked. And in his castle, as he served the king, do you want to know what Nehemiah was? He was a nobody. He wasn't anybody. He was not anybody important. He was basically a servant. Some of you who know the story might know his exact job, but more than likely, even if you have heard this before, you might forget about this man and what he did. Let me tell you about his job. Because he worked in the king's castle, but he was a cupbearer to the king. You know what that means? That means that before the king took a drink, that Nehemiah would test the drink to make sure that it wasn't poisoned and that the king wouldn't die when he took a sip. You know what that means about Nehemiah? That his life is expendable. He was a nobody. He was not some important political you know, figure who was royalty. He was just a cupbearer to the king. A cupbearer to the king who saw something. A cupbearer to the king who saw something about his own city and about his own community that he said, there is a wall that has been broken down and my people could be under attack and are under attack. We have to fix this problem. But he did something even before he set out on his journey. This is so key. I love this, right? When he actually saw that the problem existed, Nehemiah did something. Before he went out and sought to fix the problem, he said, there's a problem. I see exactly what the problem is. I know what the problem is. And he put a name to it. He named the problem. Because a lot of times when we see an issue, do you want to know what we do? We go, I, I, I don't know what the problem is. I can't, I can't figure it out. I can't fix it if I can't name it. And I don't know what the issue is over there. And the truth is, Nehemiah took a mo moment and just hit pause. And he goes, I know exactly what the problem is. My city is under attack and its wall has been broken down. My people are subject to oppression and torture. This is a problem. That's a problem. We got to fix it. In your own life, in your own community, here's just the truth about all of us. With whatever problem exists, exists if we can't name the problem, we can't fix the problem. We can't do it. If you're just fumbling through things going, I don't know what the problem is, right? You're never going to fix it. You have to take a moment, stop, name the issue, and then go after it. If you can't name the problem, you can't fix the problem. And Nehemiah knew that the problem at the end of the day was the security and the safety of his people. So Nehemiah wanted to do something, this cupbearer to the king. Nehemiah wanted to go to Jerusalem and to rebuild this wall. Nehemiah wanted to set out on a journey and he prayed to God to give him the wisdom and the discernment, right? The decision-making to go rebuild this wall. And, and, and he kind of wanted to do this. And what happens next in the story, I love this, right? Don't miss it. So key for even us today is so anti-cultural, okay? What happens next is so anti-cultural. 
even for today. Look at what he did, right? Nehemiah chapter 2 says this. Then I prayed to God, verses 4 and 5. Then I prayed to the God of heaven, and I answered the king, right? He's having a conversation with the king. This is what he said. If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. He basically says to his boss, the king, hey, by the way, don't, I, I don't know that this is good advice, right? I don't know that I would take this on and do this with your boss, but you never know. But he says to his boss, the king, hey, God has given me a vision. I need you to release me so I can do what? If I was the king, I would be like, excuse me? Uh, can you run that by me again? Can you help me to, un you, want to you want to go rebuild that massive wall? You? Right? I don't know what Nehemiah looked like, but I can't, I mean, probably looks a lot like me, right? Strapping young lad who would go after that. And I mean, but if a, if a boss was wise, he might look at me and go, bro, you might need some help, right? Like, I don't know. I mean, you need to go get the whole gym in your corner to be able to do I get it, okay? This is what Nehemiah asked for. Let me go so I can go rebuild that wall. So I started to think about this. What could he have done? What could Nehemiah have done? He sees this issue. He's named the problem. He knows what the problem is. What could he have done? And what would be the common answer to just sit back and do? The first one is this. He could have just simply done his job, right? He could have just done his job, sat right in the king's castle, probably had decent quarters and just done his job and ignored it, which, by the way, related to problems, a lot of us do. Week in and week out, day in and day out in our life. He could have just done his job. Now, it wasn't a luxurious job, but he did his job, right? I mean, just a side note, if you are considering or working in an organization where people are considering poisoning your boss, I, I would probably find new employment. It just looks like that would be a good thing for you to look at, right? It's just may, maybe you want to seek elsewhere, uh, but he could have just done his job. He was praying Nehemiah was praying. Maybe, you know what, God's going to handle this. Maybe he could have just kept praying. God, your problem, you fix it. And after you pray, you kind of sit and wait for what, right? We've all done this in our lives, right? We ask God for help, and then we sit, and we do what? We expect a miracle. We just kind of sit idly by, and we go, oh, God will fix it. I'm going to sit back, right? And you know what a lot of people in our culture today do? Now, before I put this up, I want to give a disclaimer. At Downtown Harbor Church, we do not talk about politics at all. It is not something that comes in to this stage, into this room, or out of any of our mouths. I don't care if you're a Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, Green Party, Independent. It doesn't matter to me. I don't care when you vote, who you vote for. It doesn't matter. So don't take this next statement related to anything related to politics. But you know what a lot of people do when it relates to problems, whether it's in their own life, or politics in their community, you want to know what they do? They wait for the government to fix it. And that's what Nehemiah could have done. He just could have sat back and said, hey, let those boys fix it, right? Let those ladies fix it. They're just, they're just you know, in those jobs where they have the power. Let them fix it. And he didn't. And related to praying in a miracle, because the scripture tells us that he was praying, I just want to say something to you, because a lot of you might see that in your own city and in your own life. Here's just what I believe about prayer, because I believe that God can answer all prayers and can do miraculous things. It is okay to expect a miracle, but it's not okay to just wait for one. 
If you think that you've done your due diligence by praying and sitting when God could use you to fix a problem right where it's at, you are mistaken. It's okay to expect a miracle, but it's not okay to just sit and wait for one. And I'll tell you this, anybody who can hear my voice, you can retweet this, you can play this, I don't really care, right? There are a lot of churches who believe strongly in prayer, and I believe in prayer, right? Get all Southern on everybody in here. I can believe in prayer, right? But here's what I'm saying. You can pray a lot, but if you aren't interested in going out and doing something, shame on you. Because Jesus calls us into action, not just calls us into prayer. And in this moment when Nehemiah prayed and he went to the king and said, let me go. I have a vision. God gave me a vision. We got to do this. The king miraculously does something. The king let Nehemiah go. You want to rebuild that wall? Have at it, brother. Go ahead. If you're looking for a job when it doesn't work out, let me know. And sure enough, Nehemiah went and set out on this journey to rebuild that wall. A problem in his city that he went out to help conquer. Right where he was in his own community, what seemed impossible, he went out to make possible. When he got there, the city was in ruins. He was devastated at what he saw. The city was in worse condition than he could have ever imagined. The wall was broken down. The wall was completely destroyed. Nehemiah probably thought to himself, I don't know, but he probably thought to himself, you know, I have a big task ahead of me. In Nehemiah chapter 2, it says this. It talks about what he said. He was talking to the people who were going to be a part of Jerusalem and help them rebuild. He said, then I said to them, you see the trouble we're in, right? You look around, you see this. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. He goes on. It says, I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me, and then Nehemiah said this, a battle cry to the people, because he was going to do something in this community that was going to solve a problem to make the impossible possible. Nehemiah said, they replied, let us start rebuilding, so they began the good work. Nehemiah left that job, asked for the king's permission, prayed to God, and then went into his own community to make the impossible Possible. Now, I'm going to kind of fast forward because the next two weeks we're going to talk about what happened during this time when Nehemiah set out to rebuild the wall. But the bottom line is, at the end of the day, here's just what happened in this story. Nehemiah, after much trial and tribulation and a lot of events went down, Nehemiah and those people rebuilt that wall. They got the job done. That's the very much Reader's Digest version of this story for 25 minutes on this stage. I could talk about a lot more and we will. But Nehemiah rebuilt that wall. And got the job done because he saw a problem, don't miss this, in his community. Let's take a look at that word for a second. Community. What does this mean for you? What does this look like for you? Well, I'm going to put a couple of things up on the screen and I just hope that for the next few minutes or so we can just land here. Number one, all of us live in a community. We're a part of something, whether that's a very small knit group of people who live in our, you know, street or neighborhood, or maybe we live in a condo here in South Florida, or maybe we're in a city and it's a plantation, Fort Lauderdale, Hallandale, Miami, I don't know. But let's just, let's just for the first onset of this, just take a look at this. What's your community? What's our community? Number one, South Florida. I don't know if you've looked out there recently, but this place is nuts, okay? I just, I'm, I'm just saying, I just firmly believe 
that in all of the cities to live in our country, West Palm Beach, Fort Lauderdale, and Miami, South Florida, they're nuts. Like, I don't know. How, like, I think that at some point, somewhere along the, la- the way, like, people just said, hey, if you're crazy, come here. We'll accept you. And this is, you can fit in, right? It's going to be great. Like, this is the place for you. And, like, we're all just here, like, dancing through life together. It's just part of what we do. It's in South Florida. Number two, it's our country, right? Let's take a look at our country. Let me land here again for a second because we are in a very polarizing time if you've looked out there. I don't care where you stand. I'm just going to tell you this. If you are waiting or voting for the government to fix your problems, this is a battle cry from me to you, right? You need to understand something that is never going to happen and you are going to be waiting for a long, long time, right? And I'm telling you, so often you meet with people who think that the answer is putting it in the hands of some type of government. Jesus did not say that. The Bible does not say that. If that is the foundation for our faith, the Holy Scripture, and Jesus confirming through his death and resurrection that he is who he said that he was, if that's the foundation for our faith and you think the government's going to fix your problems, forget it, right? Move on. Find something to do with your life. That is not going to happen, in fact. If you get to the end of your life, right, and you're waiting for that to happen, and you might be on social media, who knows what kind of social media platforms will be out there in this day and age, but if you're Facebooking or Instagramming or tweeting, I bet you, you'll put up a picture like this, right? You've been waiting for a long time. It's not going to happen, people. Move on, okay? So we'll talk about what it, what it looks like. So we got South Florida. We got our country, and then we have the world. There's a lot of hurting people in our world. There's a lot of hurting people who need help. And I don't know what God has placed on your heart. We're going to talk about you next week. Don't, just don't miss next week. It's gonna be, I think it's the most powerful, unbelievable message we're ever going to do here at DHC. I'm so excited about it. But the world is filled with brokenness. That needs people to just not be so comfy and to get out of their chair and go do something about it. South Florida, your country, the world. So let's go back. Because if Nehemiah looked at his very local community, let's take a second and let's look at ours, right? Let's look at South Florida. I just really thought about this this week and I was like, hey, God, if you were to give me a microphone and you would want me to talk about a couple of issues that I think we deal with in South Florida that us, this very small group of church planning people here in DHC could help address, what, what would they be? And I'm a heart, I just looked around this week and I was like, man, let's just talk about a couple of them that are very unique to our city. The first one is this, it's homelessness. Now let me just say for a second, South Florida and what's going on in South Florida, we have in South Florida a homeless epidemic, if you've looked around. And I started to ask myself why in the beginning of my journey in South Florida. I was like, why is there so much homelessness in South Florida? And to quote my father-in-law, who's become a good friend of mine, one of the things that he always said was, as we unpack this, he would be like, man, I get it. Why would you want to be a bum in Chicago? It's cold, right? Uh, it makes sense, right? So, I mean, we have, we have a homelessness epidemic here in South Florida. You want to know what people do? A lot of people just look to the government to fix the problem. Give them housing, make them do this, have them do this. We have an epidemic in South Florida and homelessness. The struggle almost seems impossible, but it's very possible. And what are we going to collectively do about it? What are you going to do about it? Let's talk about that in a second. Number two, this might not even be something that you even know exists, but oh boy, is it huge, and you've probably been touched or impacted by this. 
substance abuse. You know that South Florida is one of the top three places in the country for substance abuse? And I'll tell you this. Do you know something about substance abuse? Let me tell you what I just know about it. Is that a lot of people have judgment toward it. And a lot of people have judgment toward it until you look somebody in the face who's dealing with it. And you realize that a person who deals with substance abuse is an actual human being who just has a struggle just like you and it's different than yours. And in this place here and now, when we have an influx of people who are dealing with this problem, this is our city. This is our community. We have to own it and stand alongside people and look them in the eyes who are going through this journey, not shut them out. Homelessness, substance abuse. And then this one, I'm going to get up on my high horse a second, right? Let me just put it up and then I'll talk about it, right? Financial responsibility. Man, a lot of you people are a mess. Like a lot of you people are living way beyond your means and you got boats and Ferraris and things I didn't even know existed when I grew up in Southeast Michigan and I'm going, people are like ruining their families because they can't control their spending and they're all over in South Florida. I've never seen things like this for the love of everything holy. First of all, get your financial house in order. Don't be an idiot, okay? Don't spend money you don't have and if you know somebody who's going through this, come alongside it. Come alongside of them. We've got to get this right. People are losing their lives because they have an American Express card with an unlimited balance. Stop. Okay, sorry. I like to spend money too, so I'm preaching to myself. But it's true. Okay, here's the deal. We can't name the problem. We can't fix the problem. I just named the problem in our city. We can fix it. And we don't need to look to the government to fix it. And we don't need to even look to the local church to fix it. Because a lot of times people look to me or John who's here normally or our, our, our church. And they go, you guys create something, organize a group of people and fix this. And we always say, why don't you do it and we'll come. Right? That's what I mean. You, the people needs, the city needs people like you. Our city needs people like Nehemiah. To go into it and to get in there with people who are struggling and who need other people. So every week at Downtown Harbor Church, we put one word on the screen. And it's this word. It's practical. We put this word on the screen every week because we want you to hear exactly what you need to hear on Sunday and then go out and address it on Monday. We find that too many churches just spew kind of stuff from this stage that nobody has any idea what they're talking about. And they go, what should I do with that? We always like to give you practical. First one's this, leave your comfort zone. You look at the life of Nehemiah, do you think it was comfortable what he did? He had a job. Do you think it was comfortable for him to kind of run off from the king and then go out into his community and to do this? No, the first one is this, and you need to leave your comfort zone. What does that look like for you to get out of your comfort zone? A lot of us are comfy, okay? A lot of us got big recliners, Feet up, cocktail in hand, South Florida, watching the world go by, watching the sunsets, living the life. We should be swinging. We're way too comfortable. And we just let it go by week in and week out. And people are hurting and suffering, struggling. Leave your comfort zone. Go see for yourself. You seen it on the news? You seen it in your car? Or have you looked somebody in the face? And held somebody's hand. Or put your arm around somebody. There's a big difference. And there's a lot of places that talk a big game that they do this, but they do not. 
Go see for yourself. And when you do and you go see for yourself and you talk about or de- find somebody who's dealing with any one of the three things that I mentioned here from this stage, right? Go see for yourself. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to get close. I want you to get close, right? And then I want you to do something after you get close to the situation. I want you to get closer. I want you to get closer so you can see what this is like. I want you to see that there are people out there who are not just statistics, but who are struggling with real issues. Get closer. Get close enough to care. Get close enough that you can't sleep at night because someone is suffering and dying because of what they're going through. Get close enough not only to care, get close enough to feel so that you feel the pain of someone else and you know that always it's not just their fault or something that they've stumbled into or struggled into. Get close enough to do this. A lot of us are comfy. We don't want to leave. And we certainly don't want to get close because it makes us uncomfortable. I want to put up a picture on the screen. You go ahead and put it up real quick. I don't know who this is. That's just a joke. That's Heather Mahoney. She's one of our amazing greeters downstairs. Told her I'd mention her and just give her a little laugh. It's my buddy Scott. He's one of our greeters here at Downtown Harbor Church. You probably see him on the way in. If you've been around here, you will see him. He was here at the first service. He didn't like that I did this, but I didn't care. I had the microphone. And so um, one of the things that Scott did, he's new to the area about two years in, came up to us a couple of years ago, and he said, hey, guys, I got an idea. I said, tell me. And he goes, I really want to reach out to the homeless in the city. It seems to be an epidemic. And I said, great, do it. And he goes, what do I do? I said, I don't know. What's God laid on your heart? And Scott came up with this idea that on the weekends, what he would do is he would kind of collect stuff throughout the week, not sponsored by an organization, not sponsored by the government, sponsored by his own heart. And he would collect stuff during the week, so he's traveled to hotels and got leftover shampoo bottles and conditioners and soap and he's asked for people to give him stuff and he's asked for people if you just know him to hey give me old clothes and and so what he does is he just gathers this stuff up on the weekend and he goes out he even said yesterday on social media i thought it was great he posted a picture that he was going out to engage with people on the street and um he goes he goes i'm getting looks in my building i got ladies bras and underwear out of my trunk go, I was, he's like i'm getting a whole bunch of looks and he's like but people need them so that's what he's i thought that was so cool and um but I'll never forget after he started doing this, he pulled me aside one day at a cup of coffee and he told me something. He said, what do you do when you go out? He goes, well, the first thing I do is I don't give them stuff. I sit and I talk. And I sit and I have a conversation. And I said, really? He goes, yeah, he puts his arm around him and gets to know him right where they're at. He met some people at some traffic lights and he just kind of talks to them. And he's helped some people right where they're at. And he says the same thing to each one of them. And I want you to hear what it is because it should resonate with you and it should never leave you. This is what he says. He says, listen, I don't know what brought you here. I don't know how it ever got to this for you. But I'll tell you this. I just want you to know something. You can do better than this. And God can do better than this with your life. And not only can you just do better than this, but I'm going to tell you that I love you and I'm here to help you do better than this with whatever you need. Because you're worth it and you matter. Think about someone who's completely down on their luck and down and out, dealing with something that you may have no idea about. And all of a sudden, for them to make it, all they need is someone to come up next to them and put their arm around them and say, I don't know what happened. I don't know why you're here, but we love you. And we're by you no matter what. 
What if that could save a person's life? What if that could help someone be right on their new path? What if that was actually following the words of Jesus right where he said them when he walked this earth to go out into the community and to love your neighbor right as yourself? What about that? What if that happened over and over again? A modern day Nehemiah, not looking for a government to fix it, not looking for a church to fix it, but saying, anybody who wants to come along with me, I'm going to go out and fix it myself. I'm going to go out and help people right where they're at because they've had struggles. They've had issues. Yes, but we cannot give up on them. We're there for them and we are here to at the all in all core of our being love them right where they're at and you know what it's gonna be it's gonna happen somebody's gonna do this someone's gonna go out there might as well be you might as well be you right where you're at what's God gonna do through this in your life what's God gonna do through your heart I told you next week was going to be really important because we're going to talk about you and your history and your past and what God's going to do through your life through the heart that is broken for something that so desperately needs to be fixed. And here in South Florida, we are a community of people who are just reaching out for someone. Look around. Look around in this room. Look around on our streets. Look around on your, in your neighborhood. Look around in your building. People matter. And Nehemiah knew that people mattered, which is why he said, I don't care if it's against all odds, and I don't care if it's nuts, and I don't care if you're going to laugh at me, and I don't care if I'm going to give up my job. People matter. My people matter. Let me rebuild that wall. And that son of a gun rebuilt that wall from the ground up. What wall are you going to rebuild? You allow God to work through your life, he's going to make it happen. This depends on if you're going to open your heart and allow him to move so that you can help make the impossible possible. Let me pray. Father, for who you are, God, we love you. We thank you. What a powerful story of Nehemiah seeing what was broken, naming what was broken, and then going and fixing the problem. Jesus, go before us. Infect our hearts with your grace and your mercy and your wisdom as we seek after you to go reach into our community that so desperately needs to know that you're there and that you are filled with love and grace and peace. And that people who are down in their luck are out or shunned by society, that we are with them, that we are by their sides because, not just because we want to, because Jesus, your scripture confirms it again and again and again. So God, whatever is going on in our hearts and minds right now, I just hope that you would just continue to move, that you would help us to continually address those things that we look at and we go, that's impossible. I ain't never going to be fixed. And with you, we can. Anything is possible. We love you. We thank you. Go before us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.